So today I'm continuing our series, which Richard Green began last week in the book of Ephesians, which we've called uh, One New Family. And over the coming weeks, we're going to look to unpack uh, and be transformed by our vision, uh, part of our vision to be a diverse family. With that in mind, I just want to pray for us. Um, I just believe in the end God's word is living and active. And uh, yes, at the end, there'll be opportunities to respond, but that actually even as the word is preached, that where you sit, as you sit there, he will meet you and transform you. And so I just want to invite you to close your eyes for a second. Maybe just, just hold your hands out and I'll, and I'll just pray. Oh Lord, would you open our hearts and would you transform us with your word of life? Your word is a word of life. It's not a book, it's a word that brings life. It's a word that transforms. It's a word that brings freedom. It's a word that brings healing. It's a word that stirs repentance. It's a word that brings purpose and joy and identity and security and salvation. It is a living, breathing, active word. And so, Lord, as we preach today, as we open your word and look in it, I just pray that that as I preach and as people are sitting listening, Lord, actually where they are, your word would would go into hearts, your word would go into minds, your word would transform as it is preached, Lord, just where people are sitting and that people would leave changed and transformed by you. More like you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning we have a beautiful passage that tells us who God is Uh, who we are in him, that frees us from fear and performance and that lifts our eyes to what we're part of. And so I believe today that God is going to set people free by bringing a fresh understanding of identity and he's also going to call people to get off the sidelines and step into an exciting new season living for God and playing their part in his great plan. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn there, in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, it'll be on the screen as well. Just to say, if you're never sure where Ephesians is in the New Testament, because um, it's in the middle of lots of letters, um, I always remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, by God eats pink custard. Now, God doesn't eat pink, well, he might eat pink custard, but Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, I always get them confused. So I remember that God eats pink custard. It puts my books in the right order for me. So you're free to take that if you need to, you may not, that's fine. Uh, It's just how I work. But um, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 3, and we're going to dip in and out, so do keep your Bibles open as we go. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. I just want to pause there, keep your Bibles open. The Apostle Paul begins his letter with this, All praise to God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, I don't even know that I can fully comprehend what every spiritual blessing means, but I'm going to guess it's pretty awesome. Praise to God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You know, God, today you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I don't even know what all that means, neither do you, but this is true for us today. What a great place to start on a note of praise and gratitude for who he is, what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. And I know it's early in the sermon, but this is such a great starting point that I want to ask you a question. What are you praising God for? 
What are you thankful for? And not just in your life, but in what Jesus is doing in the lives of others. This verse says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. So, so not me and not you, but us. He's blessed us. So not only are we giving thanks for our own lives, but actually are we giving thanks for what God is doing in the lives of others, for how he's blessing them. So look, um, there are lots of people I could do this to, so just because I'm choosing one person, you're all special. Um, but Janet, Janet's sitting at the back there. Everyone turn and wave at Janet. Hi, Janet. Um, ever since Janet went to Malawi last year, I was so thrilled that you got to go. And I was so thrilled that um, really it was a fulfilment of God spoke, what God spoke to you about as a teenager. I was so thrilled about that. And then you went and you came back and you've just been different ever since. And you've been again and, and you've changed and God's grown you and God's done something in you and he's shaped you and he's, he's used you to bless people and he's used you to do all sorts of things. And, and we're not very good at saying this. To see God work in you and bless you and fulfil some of his promises to you is a joy to my heart. It's a joy to my heart. And it makes me want to give thanks to God. Because it's easy to give thanks to God about how you're blessing me and what you're doing to me, and rightly so. But actually, to see how God works in you, to see the last 18 months or so, what a blessing. What a stirring for us to see that in other people. And that's to be our heart. That's to be our desire, that our perspective, that our eyes are lifted from ourselves. They're lifted to Jesus, but they're also lifted not from I, but to we. And how God is blessing us and God is blessing others. That we get to see that we're family and, and if he blesses you, I get to rejoice in that too. And if he works in you and transforms you and raises you up, I get to rejoice in that and give thanks for that too that we get to be filled with a passion for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we get to be thankful to God for them and all he's doing in them. Um, we sung earlier on a song, Hallelujah, our God reigns. And I just I like, oh yeah, great word, great line, Hallelujah, our God reigns. But actually one of the ways that we get to declare our God reigns is that we get to see what he's done to the people and give thanks for that. See that he's reigning in your life and he's reigning in your life and he's reigning in your life. And he's reigning in your life. I'm just so caught up in that, so thankful for that. And if I'm honest, we're just not very good at that. Really. And so um, I'm going to give you one minute. Uh, I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm going to get you to move this morning, so you just need to get on board with that now. Um, I want to give you one minute, and only one minute, because we're running late. Uh, and I want you to just encourage somebody about what you see God is doing in their lives. It doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. It can be the smallest thing you've noticed. But I want you to just go and bless somebody and say, when you did this, or when I saw God do this, or when I, just that you encouraged me, or something blessed me so much, and I give thanks to God for it. So uh, you get to do that now. You've got one minute. If no one moves, I'll just wait. Um,
All right, you've had your minute. Please take a seat again. Uh, feel free to practice this at other times. It doesn't just have to be in the sermon. Um, Sarah Broughton. <laughs> Got you. So I didn't know you were here and I was looking for you and I didn't see you. Um, and could you stand up for a second? Um, Sorry, I thought you weren't here when I gave the feedback notice, and if I hadn't, I, I, had I known you were here, I just wanted to just say you're awesome and you've done a great job, and um, so just thank you for it. How much do you hate me now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to Ephesians. So back to Ephesians one, chapter three, uh, chapter one, verse three. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing himself through Jesus Christ, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. We'll pause there. This is an astonishing passage that completely changes my understanding of who I am and how I will live. And there are three key themes here. And if you remember nothing else from this sermon, I want you to remember these three things. That we are, that you are, loved by God, that you are chosen by God, and that you are adopted into the family of God. If you remember nothing else, from what I say today, I want you to remember this. You are loved, you are chosen, and you are adopted. And to help you embed that in your memory, I want you to go and tell three people. <laughs> I warned you. I should say, if you're visiting this morning, I do apologise. Um, you're free, free not to be involved in this at all. I want you to go and tell three people, I am loved, chosen, and adopted by God. Okay. Now, something I want you to notice, something I want you to notice in this passage is there is absolutely no mention at all of anything that we've done 
to earn this favour from God. Not a thing. So often it seems like we spend our lives wrestling with questions like, am I good enough? How could God love me? Look at what I've done. Look at my mess. Look at my doubt. Look at my failure. Look at my sin. We're filled with performance anxiety. Am I doing the things that make God like me? Am I obeying the rules? Does God regret saving me because I'm not measuring up? We all kind of work around the theme of, I need to earn God's love and approval. And again and again and again, as Christians, we seem to fall into that place. And so many Christians seem to live this way. And yet to live this way is to cripple yourself with a burden you can't possibly carry and that isn't yours to carry anyway. When did my salvation ever rest on my ability to to sustain it? When did God's love for me ever depend on me earning it? We can't live that way. It it will kill us. Um, Matt, or Kat, hi, sorry. Um, Do you have your car keys handy? Bless you. No, thanks so much. God's salvation to us, his love for us, his grace for us, his mercy to us, his blessing towards us is a gift. And it's a gift for us to receive. And let's just imagine that that Matt's just provided me with a key and he said to me, Andy, just want you to know, in the car park, (laughs) it's a brand new car that I've got for you. Here's the key. It's fueled. It's taxed. More importantly, it's insured. It's uh, ready to go. I've got all the upgrades. It is good to go. And uh, here's the key. It's yours. It's my gift to you. Oh, well, Matt, thank you. <laughs> so, just don't, don't know what to say. Uh, Matt, let me, um, let me just go and get my wallet, Matt, and um, let, me, let me pay you for that. Let me begin to pay you. And oh, it turns out I haven't got enough right now, Matt, so I'm going to have to pay you over time. And um, every day I'll earn a bit to give to you so that I can buy this, this car from you. But then it's no longer a gift. If Matt wants to give me a car and I say, oh, Matt, thanks, let me begin to pay this off, then I've brought it. It's not a, it's not a gift anymore. And if... If God wants to give us a gift of salvation, if God wants to give me his mercy and his grace, if God wants to pour his blessing and his favour out upon me, and I say, oh, that's so beautiful, let me pay for it. Let me pay for it. Let me do it by doing really good things. And let me pay for it by really nailing my prayer life this week. And let me pay for it by telling 16 people about Jesus this week. And let me pay for it by making sure I serve lots of ways in the church and and let me pay for it by making sure it's not a gift anymore I'm trying to pay Jesus for what he's done for me and then you don't receive a gift it's not a gift if you're trying to pay for it the point of a gift is you receive it what I should do is get this key and go thanks Matt I'll see you later (laughs) a lot later I'm going to go and drive this car to within an inch of its life because that's like you do. Um, 
Because that's how you honour someone who gives you a gift. You take it and you use it. You go. <laughs> you don't pay for a gift, you receive a gift. There's nothing in that passage we just read that said anything that you've done. This verse tells us that our salvation and our standing before God isn't about what you did, isn't about what you're doing, and isn't about what you will do. It's all about God and what Jesus, our champion, has done at the cross. You've been chosen by the God of the universe to be part of his family. And the entry cost to that family has been paid for by his son at his expense. Why? It says here, because he chose to love us. It's as simple as that. He chose to love us. God's just really awesome and he loves us and he loves you unconditionally. You can't add anything to that. It's not about you. It's not about something you've done. It's not about something you've earned. It's not about... And I'm, I'm probably not the only one to really struggle with that because we live in a whole society where we earn things and we pay for things and we, we, we have to... We get stuff because we've done stuff. That isn't how the kingdom of God works. Why did God save you? Because he chose to love you. It wasn't because you did something. And if you think it was because you did something, you'll spend your life chasing, trying to keep doing that. And you'll live in perpetual fear. Am I good enough? Have I done well enough? And you won't receive from God. You'll be trying to earn from him and earn from him something that he's looking to give you every day. Some of you, I know, just don't believe it. Why? Because he chose to love you. And some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I, I, I read it and I sing it, but somewhere within me I just don't believe it. That's because it's difficult to believe sometimes. It's just an amazing thing. Especially because we know what we're like. You know what you're like. I know what I'm like. I I know my deepest, darkest secrets. I know the things I hide away. I know the ways I mess it up. I know the sin that I play with, that I try to hide away. But God, knowing all of those things. You see, when God decided, I love you, you're mine, I'm going to bring you into my family, he did that knowing every sin you've done, every sin you're doing right now, every sin you're going to do in the future. He knew all of that. And knowing all of that, he still said, I love you and you're mine. And you're going to be in my family. There's, there's nothing you can do that puts him off. He knew it all already. You haven't surprised him with your sin. You haven't surprised him with your failure. You haven't surprised him with the way you got him wrong or the hardness of your heart sometimes or, or the way that our heart is just so rebellious sometimes. Or, you haven't surprised him. He knew all that, knowing all that. He said, I love you in your mind. You know, I've got three beautiful daughters and uh, I've taught each, each of them three questions and three answers. And um, even last night, I was putting the younger one to bed and he's praying with her, telling her that I love her. And she's like, Dad, do the questions. And I've taught all of my daughters this, so they know the questions and they know the answers. And my questions are this. And so last night it was with Esme, my youngest daughter. 
Esme, who loves you? She goes, oh, Dad, you love me. That's right. So Esme, when do I love you? Dad, you love me all the time. That's right. I say, Esme, why do I love you? She says, Dad, you love me because you're my dad, or father, as she insists on saying. (laughs) (laughs) You're my father, and I'm your daughter. That's right. Now, I've taught all my daughters these three things and those, those answers because I want them to know that my love for them is not ever going to be based on their performance. It's not ever going to be based on how well they do or don't do. It's never going to be based on their behaviour, what they do in life. Now, sure, they've got the ability to wound me and hurt me, but my love for them isn't given to them on that premise. It's given to them because I'm their dad and they're my girls, and so I love them. They don't have to earn that for me. And I don't even want them to think they have to earn my acceptance and my love. That's theirs by right because they're my daughters. And in the same way, God doesn't ever want you to think you have to earn his acceptance and his love and his approval because he's given that to you freely. Some of you are spending your lives trying to earn something from God that he wants to give you as a gift. And if you don't stop, you are going to be miserable and insecure your whole life. Jesus loves you as you are. He doesn't want your performance. He doesn't need your performance. He wants you. And you need to come to him and know again his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Now for those of you sitting there thinking, that's just not me, you don't know me. Well, maybe I don't, but he does. And it's true for you too. My identity is entirely found in being chosen by the God of the universe. By the grace of God from a young age, and everyone's different, I am immeasurably thankful that somehow at a young age, God just put in my heart that he loved me. And it stuck. And I know for some people, they've had to struggle with that in their lives. I struggle with other things. But at a young age, just some reason when he came to my life, there was just this... I love you in your mind, and that was it. That was sorted in my life. Now, there's been ups and downs in that, but I understand that God loves me, that my identity is found in that love, that it's not found in what I do, it's not found in how I perform, it's not found in where I live, it's not found in what I look like or how much money I have or what education I have or what age I am or what job I have or anywhere else. And so that means it can't be taken away from me. See, my identity is not found in those things. And so if they all fall away, I still have my identity because it's found in him and his love for me and his acceptance for me. I want my identity found in a place that can't be taken away by the ups and downs of this world, by the words of people and what they say. Instead, I can rest in my identity as a loved, chosen child of God, living for him as part of his family, that he has placed me in. And the good news in this passage just keeps on coming. It continues in verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom 
understanding. God loves you. We can say God loves you. We can know God loves us. But, but God loves us with an active love. God loves you is not a passive phrase. It's an active phrase. He is with you. He is for you. His blessing is upon you. He has forgiveness for you because of Jesus. His grace and mercy and power is with you. His position is always one of having a hand of blessing extended towards you. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't turn his back on you when you're not doing very well. He doesn't wait for you to apologise. He's not one of those people, well, I'll I'll come back to you when you apologise to me, person. He's not like that. His position is constantly one of reaching out to you and reaching down to you and hand extended to you and grace extended to you all the time. Not sometimes, not in the good times, not when you do it, all the time. In the midst of your deepest darkest, depraved moments, God's hand is reaching towards you. He doesn't come and go. He lavishes the riches of his grace upon you. He fills us up with his spirit so that as we freely give away, we still continually receive an overflow. He's a tap he never turns off. He is a river that never stops flowing. He is a fire that never goes out. He is a wind that never stops blowing. Fill in your own analogy here. He never stops. And of course, we slumber and sleep in all sorts. That's not what God is. God is always with you. Not with you. With you. When you sleep, he's with you. When you go to work, he's with you. When you rest, he's with you. When you're with family, he's with you. When you're by yourself, he's with you. When you're with others, he's with you. He's with you all the time. In your high points of doing wonderful things for him, he's with you. In your low points of sin, he's with you. In the mundane day-to-day where so many of us still seem to spend our lives just going through our days, he is with you. He's always with you. God isn't absent. He isn't standing back and holding back to see how you get on, whether you're worth his time. You are his chosen child. We are his chosen people. And he loves us with an active love, with an outstretched arm of blessing towards us. God is for you. God loves you. God likes you. Think about that. I think sometimes we can get away with thinking, well, God loves us because he has to. But he wouldn't like me very much. It's not true. God doesn't just love you because he has to. He loves you because he chose to. But that aside, he enjoys you. He likes you. He enjoys you. He's passionate for you. He loves spending time with you. He loves being with you. He loves to bless you. He likes you. I'm loved by God. No, no, you are loved. He loves being with you. He likes being with you. He enjoys your company. That's understandable, obviously, because you're all great. (laughs) But not always, but even in the midst of that. And then this passage finishes, or the passage I've got today finishes. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring together Everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. 
Our passage ends today with what I guess is a joyful challenge for us. God is fulfilling his own good plan, which involves building his church, extending his kingdom, bringing light to the darkness, bringing hope to the hopeless, bringing joy to the joyless, bringing peace to the restless, and life from death. A lot of the things actually that Dave, Dave Maddock, when you came out and you um, read your passage and prayed, all of that. And as I was preparing for this sermon this week, I found I had written in my Bible, I've obviously heard a sermon on this somewhere else or something, not what is God's plan for my life, but what is my part in God's great plan? Not what is God's plan for my life, but, but what is my part in his great and glorious plan? You see, it isn't about me, and so it's pushed a bubble, it isn't about you, but rather it's about our part in God's great and glorious plan. When our focus is on ourselves, we completely miss the scale and breadth and joy and wonder of what it is to be part of the family of God. We are brothers and sisters together with Jesus at our heads. We miss being caught up in something much bigger, a miracle that is so beautiful and wonderful called the church, being part of God's family. And so, yes, we want to know what is God's plan for my life, but really what we want to know is, oh God, what is my part in your glorious plan that you are unfolding in your perfect, beautiful way? What's my part in that? Alongside others, brothers and sisters together, working together and serving together and worshipping together and being on mission together and loving together. What's our plan together in God's glorious, beautiful plan? The family of God. You know that we're God's family. And as I was writing this, I just was thinking, and I was convicted even. How, How do I speak about the family of God? How do we treat God's family? How do we pray for God's family? How do we support and respond to God's family? How do we love God's family? It's God's family. We're God's family. And I don't know that I have a big enough, beautiful view of that sometimes. And if I did, I might speak better of us. And that's not to say we shouldn't have honest conversations, but I've been in church a long time. It's full of broken people who are difficult. It just is. It's full of people, full of people you get on with and full of people you don't, and full of people who do things the way you like and full of people who don't do things the way you like. It challenges us. How do we speak about each other? Do we speak well of each other? Sometimes, but not always. But we're God's family. And I want my view to be filled so much more with the fact that we're This is God's family, and so how I treat it, how I engage with it, how I speak about it, how I think about it, how I pray about it, how I love it, I want to be much more careful than I am, because it's God's family. I don't want to mess with God. I want to treat his family really, really well, because he's chosen you and placed us alongside each other that we might bless each other. So I want to make sure that I'm speaking about you really well. Make sure that I encourage you, that I love you, that I pray for you. But actually when there is issues between us, that you know, we handle that so well and transparently and openly and honouringly, full of love 
It's because it's God's family. And I just need my eyes open to that, really. Um, not, not what God's plan for my life. What's my part in God's great plan? We're his family. How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to speak to each other? How are we going to love each other? I want to be much more careful how I handle God's family. Because they're his. Our time's gone, but you know, I've been around church a long time, and in the 1980s, when there was many great songs, um, we used to sing a song called I Want to Serve the Purpose of God in my generation. And by the general murmur around, I can hear those who remember. And I used to love that song. It spoke to me about something bigger. It spoke to me about a part that I had to play. I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I'm alive. I want to give my life to something that will last forever. Oh, I delight, I delight to do your will. I nearly sung it for you, but... Uh, well... There are some things unredeemable before the Lord. I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. We want to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Why don't we stand? I need to bring our time to a close, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond should you feel you need to. And uh, the chairs are quite far forward this week, so uh, there's a big empty space over here. So I'm going to direct you, if you want to respond, to go over here, and we will minister to you and bless you, help you respond. And I, I just want to offer, uh, if you're here this morning and, to be honest, you are spending your life trying to earn something from God that he's trying to give you freely, you need to stop and you need to receive from him his love for you. You need to know that you're chosen. And um, I know that there are people here this morning who they hear that word and they sing that word, but they're still living a different way. And God just says to you, don't have to live that way. I love you. And um, if that's you this morning, we would love just to minister to you and just ask you to respond and just receive, actually, from him his love and his grace. And um, I also just felt as I was preparing the word individualism, and we live in a culture where individualism is just rife. It's everywhere. But that's not what the church is to be. We're to be family. And... I know what I'm like. I, I struggle because I like things neatly wrapped up how I like them. And, and so I live individualistically because I want them this way. And, and, and actually, I want God to break me out of that because I want to be family, not individual. And I want to be family not just like on set events like Sundays and prayer meetings and stuff like that. I want to be family, family. And to do that, I know I need help to be set free a little bit from the, the boundaries I put on what that must look like. Uh, and so... There's that. Um, some of you, I think, need to repent for how you've treated God's family. Um, I do, and I have this week, and I probably will be in weeks ahead. You need to repent about how you've talked about people. You need to repent about how you've talked about the church. You need to repent about just how you've engaged sometimes with it. Um, repentance is a beautiful thing. So this is like, God, this sends forgiveness to you to be changed and set free. And um, 
Just some of you need to think about that and repent. And just for some of you, I just want you to say break time is over. Um, it's time to stop sitting on the sidelines and it's time to come and play your part in God's plan. And really, that's not about service. I mean, it is, but really it's about your heart. So you could come and find somewhere to serve and still not be playing parts of God's plan because it's your heart that he wants. It's great that you serve, but he wants your heart brought into his plan and his purposes. And some of you are just sitting around wasting your time at the minute. And God just says, there's a plan and you've got a place in it. And I want you to step forward. And so um, if that's you, I want you to move right this second. Um, and I want you to do it quickly because I am about to close the meeting. Um, I just feel that um, there's not a polite way to say this. Um, some of you are just kidding yourselves. You need to respond. Why wouldn't you respond? You need to respond to God. And um, I guess some preachers live and die by who responds. I don't. I'm going to go home and have some food and lay on the sofa with the kids for a bit. But um, you need to respond. And you're standing there and you need to respond and you need to respond right now. And um, that's your choice. But some of you need to respond. Uh, and so I'm going to close the meeting now, but I'm going to say, it's your opportunity. won't be the only one you have. God's gracious. And he keeps pursuing us and keeps coming back to us. But um, why wouldn't you respond to God now? Why wouldn't you want to see you set free? Why wouldn't you want some of the things you struggle with to be dealt with? And so I'm going to pray. And you're free to do as you will at that point. And so, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the truth that says um, you chose us because you loved us. Lord, you chose us because you loved us. I didn't do something. I've not made you do something. I've not earned something from you. I've not twisted your arm. I've not performed in a certain way. You chose us because you loved us. And that's staggering truth. And you brought us into a family. And I just pray that that truth would be buried so deep within us that our foundations would be changed and shaped, that we would live differently from this way forward, that we would understand that we are special and loved in your eyes, that we would know your presence with us and your hand upon us and your love and your good favour towards us again and again and again. And you would set us free from trying to earn something that you're trying to give to us as a gift. Oh Lord, open our arms and our hands to receive from you that which you would freely give us. And Lord, let us set aside any pretense of performing for you and earning from you and let us know the freedom that it is to receive from you and to live for you from that place from your love and your pleasure and your plans and your purposes for your glory we pray amen